Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, as Luke said, my name is Shannon, and I have the privilege of reading God's Word uh, for you all today. Uh, we will be going through two passages, and both will be from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you'll either be able to follow on this, follow along on the screen behind me, or you'll be able to find the Bible reading in your little service outline on, like, I think the third to last page. So the first Bible reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 14. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And the second Bible reading is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 24. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. 
Amanda introduced it really well, but what would you like most for Christmas? I'm at the front, so I get to tell you what I love. I love the Christmas socks and fruit chocks. See, oh, yeah. oh, you either love them or hate them, and you're wrong if you hate them, but I love them. Every Christmas I get them, and I got seven pairs of socks this week, and I'm wearing another pair now, because for seven days, I, every week I get to wear a new pair of fun socks until Christmas, so that's really exciting for me. So I love getting them for Christmas, but what, um, what do you like? What do you want for Christmas? And sometimes it's hard to answer that question, because sometimes what you like is beyond your budget isn't it? Or the people that are buying for you and you just can't get it. Often it goes beyond the power of the person either. I would love a better pair of running legs, but no one can get them for me. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot get any better. So it's just not going to happen. But imagine for a moment that time and ability and everything else was, was put to the side. What would be your ultimate Christmas wish list? And think, think bigger than socks or fruit chocks. I mean, what, what would be on the list? What about the deeper stuff in your life that you'd love to change, like the heart stuff or the mind stuff or the body stuff or the conversation you'd love to have a do-over with or that person to see? Because there are some things in life we can't wrap up and put under a tree, like hope and joy, peace, love, Except, except in the songs that we sung, in the, in the Christmas story that we heard read, there is a claim in those songs and in that reading that someone did deliver on those things at Christmas. It happened at the very first Christmas. And as the story goes, an angel made an announcement. I, will bring, you, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And so the first Christmas is about something that brings great joy. It's news that you'll find this joy wrapped up in an unlikely place, because the angel goes on to say, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So great joy was wrapped up on the first Christmas, not under a tree, but in a manger. And it was Jesus. And this Jesus, he lands in our world, not offering us socks, but himself. You see, in the Christian Bible, Jesus is often spoken of as a saviour. Now, a saviour is someone who rescues you from from danger and brings you to life on the other side. And one way to think about Christmas is to see Jesus as a rescuer from the illusion that more and bigger and better things will give us life. And that he brings us hope and joy, peace and love in him. In Him. And at Christmas, Jesus asks us to consider, and I ask you to consider, Something that an Australian philosopher by the name of Damon Young said on the Religion and Ethics podcast recently, not a Christian, this guy, but he, he was, he's a philosopher, and he said, we need to question in Australia, he's talking about whether buying and spending are our chief reasons for being. And that's where a second Bible reading comes in. There's a bit of a strange one for a carol service, actually. But keep in mind the angel's message, wrapped up in Jesus, is good news of great joy. And at this point, we jump 30 years ahead from the angel's message. Jesus is grown up, and he meets someone. Someone comes to him. He's at a crossroad in life at this moment. And, and he comes to Jesus for advice. But this is not the advice where you actually want someone to give you objective information. He goes to Jesus because he wants Jesus to put weight behind his argument. He says, so, someone says to Jesus, Teacher, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
there's a family situation that's going on, and he feels like he's getting less than what he deserves, and he wants Jesus to kind of bolster his argument that he should get more, that he should get something. But Jesus knows what's going on is deeper than a family dispute in this man's life. Jesus says, hey, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Jesus' point is he's going to caution him against this overwhelming desire for the family inheritance as his chief reason for living. Great joy is not found in a great inheritance. And at this point, there's others around Jesus, and, and he looks around and he knows that that's just not that one man's problem. It's symptomatic of each of us at different moments in life and we too feel a conflict at this crossroad. And so Jesus turns to all the people and and he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then to illustrate it, Jesus loves to illustrate things and he tells a story and he says, imagine what life would look like if someone got the inheritance they wanted and they operated out of only this desire to consume. So then he tells this story. It's a parable. This is the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Think about the ground and how much wealth is tied to it. WA in the mines, or the opals in Kubapedi, or the vines that grow in the Barossa and McLaren Vale. So much wealth in the ground, we don't often think about it. Well, in this story, the ground is just an abundantly huge, overwhelming harvest comes up. And in fact, the, the ground is the subject, not the man, which means he didn't do anything to get this reward in the story. It just happened. In a moment's come in our life when, when things happen to us like this, it just happens. But in those happenings, it reveals often what's going on in our insides as it happens here. And the man says to himself, Whoa, what am I going to do? I know, I've got no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and then I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain, Luke, for many years. Eat, drink, be merry. Excellent plan. And in this story, the man consults his inner investment banker for advice. The trouble is his inner consultant isn't wise. If you're a consultant here, I'm sorry. But greed can blind us, can't it? Make us deceptively self-focused. Nine times he says, I and me, in those two verses. His sudden fullness feeds his self-love, and he reasons a new story in life that says, this is what I need to take life easy, I've got it, and this treasures the driving force behind his decisions. Jesus is making a point in this story to protect us, to project us, sorry, into our own realm of wishful thinking. And you have to ask the question, how often would you ever be in a situation in which you would never, ever have to work? What number do you need to say no stock market crash or recession or rising interest rates or cost that would ever stop me from going, I've got so much, they could, I could have 100% inflation and I am okay and I do not lose a wink of sleep. That is this man. He's in that realm of just at happenings. What number is enough for you? And then the story takes a sharp turn. And Jesus U-turns in his stories all the time to drive home a point. Because you're going, wow, that's incredible. And then God interrupts the plans and says, you're a fool. That night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, God isn't dangling a carrot here and saying, ha-ha, I made the ground a harvest. Well, 
it's all a test. It's actually much more simpler. (laughs) Jesus' point is that you're not going to live to enjoy all of that. Death will chase you down. He's not a fool because he sought wealth. He's a fool because he imagined that wealth and things would satisfy his life instead of God. To the man asking to have Jesus sort out the inheritance, the story's telling him not to find life in the riches of what you can get because after all, he says at the end, it's about being rich toward God. Which doesn't mean give your money to God to spare your life. As if you can say, I've got some opals and a couple of grapes from the Barossa from my favorite winery and because I've got them, God, you will save me because I've got stuff. That's not what he's saying. What could you ever give to God that's not his anyway? I mean, And then Jesus talks about ravens, and we have some outside. You might see them, and they might steal your lunch, so be careful. He says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn. The man in the story tried to build the storeroom of mud, didn't he? And the ravens didn't sow and reap, and neither did he. Yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable are you than the birds? Jesus reminds us that you are valuable, and here, being rich towards God is giving him our life. You're more valuable than birds in God's economy. You are a lost treasure that Jesus came to find at Christmas and seek out. Jesus knows what you need. He knows what's going on in your hearts and minds. He knows the inner conversations you've had, even this morning. And the issue isn't what you possess, but what's possessing you. And at the end of this long speech of Jesus, he just says, seek God's kingdom, his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Here's where it lands. If you seek God's kingdom, all the things that God knows you need, they will come to you without being your life, without being your life. The word seek means to find your life. Let your life be found in Jesus. That is the good news the angel announced. And so enjoy what you get for Christmas. Yes, I want more socks. I love new socks. The feel of a new pair of socks is lovely. And fruit chocks are the best. But, hey, don't depend on that for my life. They'll they'll get holes, actually. And I get a sore tummy when I eat a kilo of fruit chocks. I have no self-control there. But don't depend on it for your life. And interestingly, at the end, we don't know how the man responded to Jesus' story. But you can be sure of how you respond in hearing this. Because Jesus came to put things and stuff and him in their proper place. And that's what happens in Christmas. Wrapped up, God wraps up Jesus. Not under a tree, but in a manger because of our need for him. For the love, joy, hope and peace that we so long for. And that's good news. And I need that reorientation at times because what I really want is found in him and a way to do life with him, not just a nice pair of socks. We're going to sing some more carols and think about this Jesus. And around the place in in your QR code you can scan or at the front desk where you walked in, there's a connect card. And if you'd like to know more about us, we'd love to get to know you. Do fill it out. Um, We'd love to hear more about your story and connect with you as well. So if that is something you'd like to know more of, or if you want to know more about this Jesus, let us know. We'd love to keep exploring him with you. But for now, please stand and please sing, O Come, O Ye Faithful.